Hey guys, and uh, thank you for joining us for episode six of the Tennis Section podcast. It's been a couple of weeks now since our last podcast episode. Andrew and I were traveling last week, so we couldn't, you know, go for anything. But, you know, we're back in time just for Wimbledon. It's been a, it's been a very interesting last two weeks on the grass. Uh, but yeah, I'm always joined by Andrew, my co-host and co-founder of Tennis Section. Um, if Andrew wants to kick things off, I think he has a fair few insights into the Wimbledon draw. Hey guys, great to be here again. And as Liam said, you know, um, getting excited for Wimbledon, um, having a look at the Wimbledon draw. Um, and quick question for you, Liam, what stands out the most to you? So obviously we're, we're happy that we finally get Nadal and Djokovic on different sides of the draw. You know, it would have been pretty annoying to have them on the same half of the same quarter again. Um, but, you know, we got so, well, luck and bad luck. <laughs> um, allowed the draw to, to be as it was. But what, what stands out to you the most? I know last time we spoke, we discussed that Djokovic was the big favorite. And, and I think the all the betting sites and all the tennis experts agree with that and agree with us. Um, but anything you noticed in the draw? Yeah, I would say the, the one thing I noticed is Nadal has a, he, he's got a very good draw. Um, I think in the quarterfinals, he's meeting Felix. If, you know, if the seeding works as the seeding's supposed to, you know, the best seed yep. wins their match. Quarterfinals would be against Felix Auger Lissim. Semi-final would be against Matteo Berrettini. Nadal and Felix played today as of recording the podcast yesterday, if you're listening to the day the podcast comes out. They played in an exhibition match in Hurlingham, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. right next to, to Wimbledon, basically. And I believe Felix won in three sets. The third set was a match tiebreak um, just to save time. Uh, so definitely that's going to be a tight one, I think in that in the bottom half of the draw i would expect nadal if he comes up against berrettini to be able to to break him down as he did at the australian open just because even if it's on grass the backhand of berrettini is still one of the weaker aspects of his game so yep. for an experienced player like nadal especially because he's a lefty if he can just continue breaking down that aspect of his game he probably has a very good chance but i'd say that the biggest match that interests me is nadal versus felix and on the top half of the draw it would be Djokovic against Alcaraz potential quarterfinal. What about you, Andrew? No, I agree with that take. I still would, even with Nadal's question marks, I still would favor him to beat those two guys. But my only concern is the foot. You know, I know we're going to hear more from, um, from Zach later on in the podcast, but I'm a bit worried about the foot, you know, and I do think no matter what happens, the match with Felix is going to be very physical and very tough. You know, and Felix does play well on grass and he's, he's stretched Nadal before as recently as the French Open. Berrettini is, is probably the best player in the world on grass right now um, based on current results and, and form. And, you know, he reached the final last year. So I'm, I said this before the French Open and I was proven wrong. So hopefully that's the case again. But I definitely am worried about those two back-to-back, you know, quarterfinal, semifinal, then a likely final against Djokovic. You know, I don't know if the foot can hold up, but it did it at Roland Garros, right? So maybe, but who knows? Yeah. That, 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 that'll definitely be interesting. But as, as Andrew said, we have Foot Dr. Zach from, from YouTube. If you, might, you guys might know him, he's quite big on there. Uh, joining us in the podcast later to discuss, you know, Nadal's injuries, Vera's injury and his thoughts on how their sort of next few years are going to pan out due to their injuries. So, you know, sit tight, wait for that section. And if you're in a video, if you can watch us, you can watch us video podcast for the first time on YouTube, uh, which is quite exciting. Uh, you can finally see our faces and sort of, <laughs> you know match a match a face to a to a voice and you might not expect what we look like i don't know uh <laughs> but yeah so just sit tight and wait for dr zach later on in the podcast um but as you said andrew yeah the, the foot is always going to be a question mark for nadal um but let's just pray and hope i have personally i have tickets to well i have tickets to the quarterfinals on the uh i think it's the 6th of july on court one usually they usually they do uh like two men like all the men's matches on the same day so two on center court two on court one this year i believe they're changing it up uh to be on one female match on each court one male match on each court and then another day they do the same thing so i have less chance of seeing like a nadal but maybe i might i might be able to see like a berrettini or something on 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 court one uh for the quarterfinals which would be interesting Oh, just one thing we forgot to mention, uh, Liam, is that Nadal may potentially play Celic in the fourth round, which is another tough one on grass, you know, so it's three, back, three pretty much back-to-back tough matches, you know, so 
I don't know. After speaking to foot doctors that we might change our opinion or at least my opinion, but for now I'm pretty worried as a Nadal fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty, Chilich is always a hard one because on his day he's unplayable, you know, yeah. huge serve plus one you're done for on another day. If the first serve's not going in, the second serve can come in slower, easy to attack. And then, you know, he, he goes for the shots quite early on into rallies. So he, he is prone to more errors than you, than, than other players. You would say that just. Yeah. I told, I told someone going. this, I told someone this just today. He either plays like the number hundred in the world or the number five in the world. You know, there's no <laughs> real in between. He's either amazing or he's a bit sketchy for lack of a better word, you know? Yeah. And we saw that against Karanovic the other day, you know, in a match where everyone thought he was going to win pretty easily, you know, and he kind of just crumbled. Yeah. So, who knows? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But, you know, someone who's having good form on the grass at the moment is Stefano Tsitsipas. For, for the first time in his career, he's made a grass court final in Mallorca. I think he's playing against uh, Roberto Bautista. Yeah. Uh, which is going to be a very interesting one. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Do you think, do you think Tsitsipas is going to be 100% motivated for that match? Think even though he knows he's going to go into uh, Wimbledon and try and play his best there? Or do you think, you know, Roberto Bautista is good at home in Spain? He really wants to get it done. Well, I do think Bautista likely will win the match. You know, just I think mm-hmm. he's a better grass court player and, you know, he's at home and a bit more mentally there than Sitsipas, you know. But I do think Sitsipas is going to be motivated. I know it's only at ATP 250 and a lot of the top guys sometimes closer to the big tournaments, they kind of relax a little bit and not take it as seriously as they should. But with his grass court record and, and even his form, like up to, up to this week, you know, his form was pretty miserable on the grass. He had that one good win against Kyrgios. And other than that, like he, he didn't look great at all. So I do think he'll be motivated. I think he'll want to enter Wimbledon with his first grass court title ever. And I don't know him, obviously, but he seems like a very confidence-based player, you know, like, and we can see it in his results. You know, he's either terrible or amazing. You know, usually amazing, you know, he's, he's not terrible very often, but when he's in a slump, you know, it usually takes him a while to get out of it. So I yeah. think he relies on confidence a lot. So I, I do think he'll want to win this year. Okay. Don't think he, don't think he will, but I, I think he'll, he'll <laughs> give it his all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I personally see Bautista Gut winning just because whenever I watch Bautista Gut play and when he's playing well, it's so hard to beat that guy. He yep. is consistent on the return of serve. He can rally 40 shots every point. Seems to have like amazing hard, hard and flat too, you yeah, know, which is exactly. great on grass, you know, and, and he's exactly. reached the Wimbledon semi before. So he's no slouch on grass at all. No, exactly. Exactly. And Sitsipas has, has, has hardly won a match at Wimbledon, you know, or on grass mm. for that matter. So but he did take a set off Djokovic in that semi final at Wimbledon as well. So it wasn't, it yeah. so wasn't a sort of easy win for Djokovic when it came round to it. Um, but yeah, that, that's really the grass court results are going on at the moment. I, feel, I believe Taylor Fritz is in the final in Eastbourne. I'm not too sure who he's playing. He's playing Cressy. Okay, Max. Yeah, yeah. Cressy. Cressy, Cressy. Is, on, on grass, Cressy is very hard to beat, especially in his ATP 250 tournaments, just because it's a serve and volley yep. game that he has. Huge serve, runs into the net. Your return's not going to be that great off that huge serve anyways. And if you're amazing at the net and your volleys, you're fine. So yeah, that would be interesting. The Battle of the Americans. Um, I Personally, I would go for Fritz just because he's won there before. Um, but you can't underestimate Cressy. He did. He did. I believe he played Nadal in the Melbourne final ATP 250 at the start of the year. So he's not. It's not like he's in his first ATP Tour final, and he'll probably be fe- feeling more confident than he did when he's playing against Nadal. Now he's playing against you know Taylor Fritz. Yeah, I mean he's he's playing well. He beat Evans. He beat um, who did he beat in the semis? He beat Draper. He beat uh, Cam Norrie yesterday. You know, so it's. He's been playing well. He's been returning surprisingly well. I mean, I know that's not his game or not what he's known for, but I watched a couple of his games and he was breaking or, or getting to break point quite often, you know, so he's adding something to his game. Obviously, that doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't mean like he's going to go far in Wimbledon or anything, but he could. He's not someone you want to see in the first round or first round or two, you know, with yeah. that serve. I mean, how, how do you break that, you know? Yeah. So if, if it's working, what do you do? It's kind of like, you know, Mark Philippoussis and those guys back in the day, you know, it's just unplayable. You just have so. to hope for the, the the lucky returns on the on the big points. That, that's oh yeah, yeah. That's that's the sort of game plan. But you know, I'm sure I'm sure the uh, the players on tour are going to start learning his game plan and sort of studying it more. 
as sort of we saw, you know, when, when Rublev came onto the tour, when he had that amazing year in, I believe, 2020, where he was unplayable. Yeah. And then people started figuring out the game plan. And now it's his, his matches are tighter and tighter. Um, yeah. So I, I, I can see that happening with, with Cressy as well. We saw that with Apelka as well when, when he first came on. Um, but yeah, uh, guys, we spoke about the Wimbledon draw. We think, you know, as we said, Nadal against Chilich, Felix Ojeda, Siem Berrettini, interesting match. Djokovic against Alcaraz is going to be a blockbuster as the last time. Well, the first and only time they met was an incredible match. I remember that that was, you know, I, I was on, on the edge of my seat the entire time. But today we have a special guest joining the podcast for Dr. Zach, as we mentioned earlier. So, yeah, we just wanted to get him on and enjoy. Uh, make sure you guys watch it on video if you want to. I'm pretty sure he'll probably show us around. You know, he's got loads of loads of things that that he uses in his videos that sort of explain things better. So you can watch us on YouTube to watch video. But yeah, hope you enjoy our interview with Dr. Zach. Well, thanks, Zach, for joining the podcast. We're really excited to have you on. Um, if people aren't familiar with you, uh, would you like to give a little introduction about yourself, what you do, your platforms, etc.? Uh, yeah, so I'm Zach. Um, I'm Foot Doctor Zach on YouTube. That's where I'm most active. And I'm Foot Doctor Zach pretty much everywhere on the internet. Um, and I uh, cut tennis, basketball, and running shoes open and uh, review them based on court and just uh, from my perspective as a foot doctor. Yeah, he's, it, if you guys haven't seen his YouTube videos yet, or even just followed his Instagram, you know, he gives great insights into what sort of shoes are the best for what type of perform like sport you're trying to do. I personally found for Dr. Zach on YouTube, because as everyone knows on the podcast, I'm an Adele fan. So I had to sort of figure out what, how serious this foot injury was. Uh, and I think that that's been mainly the, the focus of, uh, of you in tennis, I would say, you know, your Nadal videos have really been the catalysts in getting you part of the tennis community. Um, but also you've made videos on, you know, Federer and today you, you posted something on Serena Williams and her shoe cutting, mm. cutting into that one, which was quite interesting. Um, but yeah, we, we really wanted to discuss with you more about initially about the Nadal stuff, but we also want to discuss with you about Zverev and Federer because, you know, you, mm. you have a lot of experience uh, in sort of, injury prevention and sort of how players recover from injuries. So our first question is how common is Miller-Weiss syndrome? Very uncommon. Um, I actually just saw a patient back now, uh, been years since, since she was the last person uh, that I'd seen. I think I've seen it two or three times in my career. Uh, I actually went back before I did the first video on, I actually looked and saw how many times I actually put the code in. I think it was, it was two or three times and I had just seen her back and she doesn't even like, she really didn't even know she had it. Okay. Um, we found it on an MRI. And uh, so, yeah, it's exceedingly rare. Um, I think a lot of people are probably walking around with it that don't know they have it. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms of actually it being diagnosed and proven on an MRI or CT, it's, it's very, it's, it's super rare. Okay. okay so Zach, so sorry, sorry to, sorry to change the, the topic a bit, but just before we go on any further, could you just give a very brief, description of what it is just in very basic terms for because I wasn't familiar with it before Nadal's injury you know and I, I would imagine a lot of tennis players are not either so this is a video podcast I can do videos <laughs> oh, perfect um, so Mueller-Weiss syndrome is where the, the basically the keystone bone of your arch which is called navicular okay right? it's the one right in the middle all right you can't miss it uh when you're around three years old that that bone is is separated into sections and when you're three years old it knits together and that's what makes the bone. But in some people, very rare, the arteries that connect the bone don't connect. So that the blood vessel, the artery that's supposed to go through there to give it blood, which bones need blood to survive, right. it just doesn't connect. And it usually happens on the outside or lateral side going toward the outside of your foot. And so after, you know, when you're a kid, you don't notice it because you're so flexible. And, but after years and years of just your foot getting pounded and kind of nutcrackered, that outside of the bone that doesn't have any blood supply, which means it's dead now, starts to right. crack and crumble. And once that starts to crumble, it cascades into the other, into the joints before it and, and in front of it. And that can create kind of early arthritis. And the end stage of it is there's the whole, the whole bone crumbles. Uh, and that's, that's Mueller-Weiss. Okay. So it's okay. something you're born with. It's not something you can develop over time. I mean, or you can have it your whole life and it never gets that bad. If your demands aren't that bad on it. Like, you know, I mean, if you're pretty sedentary your whole life, you don't really do much. Um, then it, you probably won't notice it. Uh, if okay. you're, you know, I mean, 
so like I said, that the lady that the last lady that I know that had it, she's in her seventies now. She came to me with a broken toe, and that's and it, that wasn't healing oh, wow. for. Then that was a whole other you know thing. But um, we got an MRI for something or other afterwards, and I looked at it and I said, "Oh my God, you have Miller Weiss disease." She goes, "What's that?" <laughs> and um, I, I ended up getting X-rays and images of her from previous when she was seeing previous doctors. And they just missed it. And it, it's been there the whole time and she just didn't know it. So it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to cause pain, but when you're putting that much demand on your body, it's all, it's pretty much always going to cause issues. And is it something that's easy to miss? Like why would those doctors? Yeah, yeah it's super it? easy or, to miss. Or do you have to be looking for it to find yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I okay. mean, that's the thing, especially in a kid, typically when I see that kind of pain, I'm thinking flat foot pain. Um, right. I'm just thinking, okay. you know, just tendonitis, flat foot pain, you know, kids have growing pains. And so a lot of times you just blow it off. It's just okay. when it keeps coming and keeps coming, that's when you have to start, you know, thinking, you know, what, what is going on here? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just so rare that, you know, it, it's, you know, whenever you see, you know, you hear hoof prints, you think horses, not zebras. So, and that's definitely a zebra, you know? Okay. 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 Thank and, you. Um, one, one of the things I was sort of intrigued about was this injury in, in, in the Dow's sort of case he started figuring out that he had this when he was 19 years old. Um, is there any sort of reason why it's getting worse now rather than gradual over the years? Like we haven't heard much about it over the years. Um, I think he's always last... been, I think he's always had some baseline level of pain, but now that he's been on it so much, he's developing arthritis, I'm sure in the joints around it. And you know, your mid thirties, I mean, I'm in my mid thirties and everything hurts more than when I was in my mid twenties. Yeah. And in my teens, so for sure. So it's just your body's just not as elastic anymore. The joints are starting to break down. He's starting to get arthritis in the other joints. Yeah, I mean, it's just age at this point. Gravity's doing its thing, you know. Mm. Can't escape it. Yeah, no, makes sense. Makes sense. And in your video, you you did a great sort of analysis of the the nerves that go through the foot, the four nerves, yeah. if I, if I remember correctly. Um, and you you mentioned that the procedure you thought he was going to undertake currently before Wimbledon. So, uh, right. Yeah. So they, weeks. they, um, when it's going to have a radio frequency, a radio frequency ablation, well, an ablation is when you kill the nerve, they meant to say stimulation. I think it was probably just, uh, lost in translation, maybe like the, you know, the, w whatever they were saying, but when his doctor described it a few days later, like a week later, it was really, a, it was more of a stimulation of the nerve, which, which means you're just sending these, these low frequency signals down there is to try to calm the nerve down. Uh, but when they first came out there, they said, yeah, he's getting an ablation. I said, oh my God, I mean, ablation <laughs> means to ablate, to kill. Uh, so I, I, they, they didn't get the, you know, I mean, his own doctor didn't get the, the wording right. And everyone's yelling at me on the, on the video saying they're not killing his nerves. You're an idiot. And I said, just look at what he said and, and, and look, look at a medical dictionary. I said, I said, because if I'm doing an ablation on a nerve and it's not dead, I'm going to get sued because that's what they're <laughs> expecting from me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So it was really a stimulation of the nerve, which those procedures do do very well. But remember they're, they're just really expensive band-aids. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all you're doing is making the nerves feel better just because if there's a forest fire in front of you, and you close your eyes and point an air conditioner at yourself, the forest fire is still going on just because you can't feel it, right? Yeah. yeah. You can't see it. So it's not doing anything for his foot. It's just making him feel better. Um, okay. So, I, and I think, I think Nadal is at end stage at this point. I think is, I think if you looked at an x-ray, an MRI, or a CT of his foot, it would just look like a wasteland. And so I think he knows he has to have a pretty major fusion in the future. And so he's just trying to get extract as much as he can now doesn't really care what he does to his foot. I think he's already done the, you know, I, I think, I think he's already kind of, you know, done the worst. So. Okay. So you, you would say that right now is just a period of him trying to push as much out as he can on the tennis yeah. court before, before retiring. He should, here's, here's the thing. He shows up to a grand slam. He's winning it. So wouldn't you, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I would, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, yeah. I, you know, I mean, if, if you're a, you know, if you're a 17 year old kid and you know, you don't have a professional career in front of you. I would say, you know, shut it down, get the surgery, live your life. Don't live your life in pain. But if you're an adult and I know he says he doesn't care about grand slams and titles and records, but I mean, how can you not? 
He's one of the most exactly. competitive. He's yeah. one of the most competitive people I've ever seen. Love him yeah. or hate him, he's you know he's one of the greatest competitors of all time in any sport. Yeah. How can you not want to win? Yeah. So and he knows he can. He walks on court. He's he's going to win. I mean, it, Wimbledon. He's the favorite for sure. You know, I don't, okay. I don't care what Djokovic well. is doing. I don't care what Sparrow's <laughs> doing. I mean, everyone's saying Berrettini's going to win it. Berrettini would fold like a lawn chair if in the finals of Wimbledon you seen a doll come out of that that cage, picking his shorts, doing this oh, whole yeah. routine. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, he's he's clearly the favorite. So yeah, I'd be trying to play too. I think Liam likes you already for saying that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I like Berrettini. Don't get me wrong. I I, I like yeah, Berrettini yeah. a lot, but you know, I'm just saying. I you know, it's. Yeah. You know, it, it was the same thing when uh, Nadal and Djokovic were off the tour and Federer was the only one on tour for a few years. If he stepped on court, he was going to win. Yeah. And he was playing with a crater in his knee. So <laughs> it, it just it just goes to show you, you know, the, the, these guys, they, they know they can win. And so yeah. when, when you have that, when you know you can do it, it it's, it's like a drug, you know? Yeah. yeah so I just want to make just want to make sure I have this correctly. So once he has the surgery, that's it in terms of competitive tennis and at his level, at least. At his or, level, yeah. I mean, you can play, you know, right. for sure. I mean, hit 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 beat all three of us right. combined, you know, and hit hit beat hit probably beat most outside the top one hundred, you know, hit okay, probably but, still. But okay, remember, but, it's you know, it's probably it's you know, with that surgery, even with him, it's gonna be 12, 16, 18 weeks. And oh, then, wow. you know, okay. moving back into because remember, you, you gotta fuse the whole call here. Sorry. You got to fuse the whole inside column of your foot, right? So you're going to have a giant beam going through here or a giant plate right here. So none of this here, none of this is going to move anymore. It's all stiff. So would that, be, are would that move, be permanent? Would that be permanent? Yeah, permanent. Or would it come yeah. out? Oh, it wouldn't no, come out after the 18 weeks. Okay. Nope, okay. Permanent. So the only thing that's going to move is your big toe joint and your ankle. And oh. so, I mean, a little bit here in the subtalar under the ankle here, but you know, you need all of this motion. I mean, this is here sliding one way, sliding the other, pivoting, serving, yeah. So, you know, he's just, I, I don't, I don't see how he could play at the level he's at right now and have that surgery. If he did, I, you know, would be writing about it in journals. So, yeah. Okay. And I, I don't, th I don't think he's willing to play unless he's at the top, you know, or, well, you'd, or and yeah, competitive. You'd to, so I don't even know if it would be the surgery, it was just the time off you'd have to take. True. Especially yeah. at his age as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, I mean, that, that's a just gets harder right and harder as you go yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, now if he had it, it's, if he had it at 17, 18 maybe but still the flexibility just isn't there you know yeah would okay. you have said the the sort of research and the sort of knowledge was in place when he was in his early 20s about this mm -hmm. this disease yeah i think so i mean it's not it's not a new disease mm -hmm. and the surgery for it is not new i mean you know it's just a midfoot fusion we've been doing yeah. them since you know okay. um so no i mean but it's but like i said it, it will greatly hinder your flexibility flexibility and it'll lead to early arthritis and the joints around it yeah so it also may not have been that bad in adults case at that time you may have been looking at x-rays and all that bad and all of a sudden you start winning everything's you know going good you're in a chase for greatest of all time you know you're in a grand slam chase you know this and that you got this rivalry with Federer going on making a lot of money you know mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're in your mid-30s and you're thinking oh god you know how am I going to walk the rest of my life so yeah, no, exactly. I was also I was also reading something which said when he practices, he doesn't have that adrenaline rush going in, in, in his body. So he feels more pain during yeah, practice. Sure. Yeah. But when he's in a match, he doesn't feel he doesn't feel it as much. So the pain sort of numbs itself out for the adrenaline, which can help him in the big situations, I think. Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay. Um, another question from me. Sorry, Liam. Um so is it a case where the longer he goes on playing on it, will that mean it's going to be worse permanently later on or once he has surgery? yeah <laughs> yeah okay, I even mean, with the surgery it doesn't there's no baseline for it and well you know. that area i mean he's he's done what he's done to it so that that's gone right. but remember you still have your ankle joint you still have your big toe joint that you Not can yeah, yeah you can screw up at that point okay so because the other joints around it are probably gonna get fused so it doesn't really matter but you know you gonna develop early ankle arthritis a lot of great options for that besides fusion or replacement. And those aren't great options either for a 35, 40 year old guy that likes to play golf, likes to run around in his boat, likes to play tennis, you know, do a lot of other stuff. I mean, he's an active guy. So, yeah. um, I, I, if for me, if that were me, I'd be trying to save my ankle more than my midfoot. You know what I mean? That that's, that's what I'd be thinking of is my ankle. Right. Okay. okay. And, uh, keeping the topic on, on ankles, as you just mentioned, um, I'm not sure how familiar you with with Zverev's injury and what yeah. what you saw of it. 
how do you think he's going to recover from that? How long do you think it's going to take? Or do you think he's, he's going to come back and be confident enough to play on it straight away? Well, no, uh, <laughs> you have three ligaments on the outside of your ankle and that's what mm. prevents sprain. That's what that, that's pretty much all that's holding your ankle in on the outside. And they're small. I mean, they're like little pieces of celery. I mean, they're, they're not big. I mean, in surgery, when I was a resident, I remember I'm trying to find where we were doing a surgery. We were doing surgery he had, and I'm trying to find this thing and I'm looking and I'm like, like, what is going on here? And my attending just howling at me. He's like, that's it right there. You're holding it. And I mean, it's like maybe the thickness of a fingernail, you know, and it's wow. real wispy. And okay. so they're hard. That's why they're so hard to heal. That's why when you see someone with chronic ankle spraining, it's such a bad thing because those ligaments just don't heal very well. And once they're torn, forget it. So he had surgery right away. He, he busted all three of them which is a really high energy injury and more. And remember when you bust all three of those ligaments, other things are going too. he's rupturing mm-hmm. the capsule of his ankle. He's probably got a lot of cartilage damage. I mean, there's other things that you don't just rip ligaments. It, you know, it's a whole, it's a high energy injury. It's like a motorcycle accident. So the surgery I'm guessing what he had done was either a combination of synthetic ligaments put in, which is what I like to do. I think that's a great procedure. Uh, it's a lot less invasive or he had a cadaver ligament, which means they took a, you know, some dead person's ligament and fished it through the ankle into his heel bone and then drilled it in. And that's what's holding him in. But he, he needed, I mean, I'm sure he needed a replacement, uh, replacement ligaments after that. And then I'm sure they took a camera into his ankle and flushed that out and see if there's any cartilage damage. So I think it depends on the, on that. If he just had the ligament replacement, um, he might be back for fall. If he had cartilage damage too, and they needed to replace cartilage, then I honestly don't know, probably Australian open, but remember when you bust those ankle ligaments, your, the, the nerves in your foot that tell your brain where you are, get screwed up too. Okay. So with him being a double faulting machine, (laughs) him having to relearn how to kind of get his balance on that foot again, that's going to be the the worst thing. His game is more predicated on, you know, when, you know, winning points outright, right. He's not Diego Schwartz. So he's yeah. not an adult. So that part of it, I don't see as a big issue for him. You know, he could kind of play more of like a, you know, Goran Ivanisevic type game or a Ranich type game and just, you know, serve plus one, the points over. Yeah. Yeah. But he's got to get that serve in, you know? So <laughs> uh, I, but I, I could see him being a Shankopotamus for a while after this, you know, he just started getting that serve back in more consistently uh, recently, just, just, you know, despite himself. And I, I think you take some time off the tour now, plus that foot's just, you know, you're just, it's a really weird feeling. It's not like it's painful. It's just different. You know what I mean? It's just off. Something is off. Yeah. Um, and so I, I could just, I could just see that ball just in the net, in the net, in the net. And so that's, that's yeah. going to play real tricks on his mind. Yeah. And such bad timing for him too, because he, he really had a, ch- a shot at number one in the yeah. very near future, you know, with all these points coming off and Wimbledon and people out and injured, you know, he was, he's up to number two and mm-hmm. likely would have been number one unless he really crapped the bed, you know? He's, so. he's, he's, he's been lucky that most of his big points have come towards the later end of the year. Yeah. yeah I um, mean, I, you know, you know, is he, you know, would he, I mean, yeah, if he could have been number one on the computer, but was he really the best player in the world? I mean, Still a good story. Wait, you know, wait, would you, would you put on Medvedev <laughs> against him? I mean, really, you know, against Medvedev when he's playing him or Djokovic oh, yeah. or Nadal, yeah. you know, so, yeah. Totally uh, agree, yeah. but just for the yeah. just for the prestige of it, you know, mm-hmm. the yeah, number sure. one, but yeah. would never I'd, I'd, I'd like to say I was number, number one. one for a day. I'd like to say I was yeah. number one for a day. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't no one better than you in the world? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Andrew would agree with that. He's played me. But yeah, no, one other question that we had was basically, we had a lot of people coming in asking, you know, what's the best shoe for them in yeah. running X amount of kilometers a day, <laughs> you know, walking, X like that. If I went through all the questions, it'd be, we'd be here for an hour. Just because we're a tennis podcast, what do you think is the best shoe for a semi-active uh, tennis player, like your, your country club player? Well, it just, it depends on your foot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there is no one best shoe. There's a worse shoe. You know, there are bad <laughs> shoes out there, um, but, you know, I always say, so this is not sponsored and I have no stake in any of these companies, 
But if you're looking for a comfortable shoe, I mean, it's New Balance. You know, they have widths, so you can find one that's, that's going to be comfortable and not that expensive, and you can customize the widths. So you don't have to keep going up or down sizes. That's what I like. Okay. Everyone right. always asks me, should I get a ten and a half or eleven or a twelve? Do I need to go up a size to get this shoe? It's uncomfortable. I'm, I'm going to go up a size. Well, now you're wearing clown shoes. <laughs> and just just because you wanted to fit into like the vapor cage four, or you wanted to fit into the barricade, you know, because someone else, because you know, you saw someone else wearing them, all of a sudden you're going up two sizes, and you're tripping over yourself. So it's it, I always find if you can find a shoe that fits you the best, that's the best shoe. And so for me, um, if you see me playing and I'm playing competitively, typically I have a New Balance shoe on just because I can control the width of it and I don't have to go up a size in the shoe. I can keep going. I mean, the best shoe out there right now, I think by far is the Lotto Raptors. Um, I don't think it's even at this point, I don't think it's close. I think the, the Diodora Blue Shield 5 was probably the best shoe out there. The Tornios, the update to it now is good. I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's not as good as the Blue Shield 5s. It's just not as good as the Lottos uh, in terms of protection of your foot, side to side stability, speed. Um, you know, just to kind of everything, it's just, it's a little, it's just not, it's just not as, uh, not as performance focused as the blue shield fives were. So I'd say right now, the best shoe out there is probably the Lotto Raptor. And I'd say the most comfortable shoes out there are probably anything you find in new balance that fits you well. That's just my opinion, but you know. Okay. And since, since we're on the topic, so what, what would the average person look for? What should they look for in a tennis shoe? Obviously we wouldn't have your expertise or one, that, some fits your, basic one that fits, you know, fits. You, you, okay, you, yeah. mat, you know, I mean, that, that's the thing. I remember when I was in college and our team was had the worst contracts and I used to get the, I have a super wide high arch foot, which is like the hardest foot to fit in shoes. And I, I had to go buy my, I had to go buy my own shoes because I couldn't fit into them. And I mean, these were expensive, yeah. nice shoes that, that our college, our university was giving us. I just couldn't wear them because it just didn't fit my foot. You know, I fit everyone else's foot on the team, just didn't fit mine. I was the only idiot that couldn't wear them. <laughs> so it's, I mean, that's the thing. If you can get an accurate measurement of your foot, you know, width and length, that's, you know, that's it. it. It's hard now with supply chain issues because, you know, so many things are out of stock. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of a lot of sneaker companies are shifting resources from tennis shoes to basketball and running. So if you look at Nike, you know, Nike used to have like 20, 30 models of shoes all the time. They'd have they had they had a shop of Volov signature shoe, the, the Arctic <laughs> Wolf, you know, at one point. And all of a sudden the pandemic hits and they have to shift resources. They're still pumping out Zion Williamson shoes with Jordan Brand. They're still pumping out LeBron's like you wouldn't believe. But we're still on the Vapor Cage 4, which came out before I started my YouTube channel. So <laughs> it, it's, it's hard right now to find a shoe that, you know, it, and it's, it's hard to find retailers that are carrying tennis shoes. So that, that's where it kind of gets hard. That's why it's good to shop somewhere that has a good return policy. That's what I say. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I, I, never, I never thought about the width part of it. I, I always just went for the, the length. But um, yeah, no. Thank you, Zach, obviously, for coming on the podcast. We really enjoyed discussing with you uh, all matters tennis and sort of shoe related. Um, as, as you mentioned earlier, Foot Dr. Zach on YouTube and on all other social media platforms, if anyone wants to check him out, some amazing YouTube videos. Um, unless you have any other questions, Andrew, I think we, we let Zach, you know, get on with his day. Uh, right. Busy man. Just got, just got one that I think a lot of our listeners would be very interested in. So what what would your best prediction be for Nadal? How, how long does he have left at the top and how many more grand slams is he going to be competitive in? When does he call it a day? Obviously you wouldn't know uh, for sure, but best, best guess. I think, I think he'll win Wimbledon or one, one of the two, I think he'll win Wimbledon or the U S open. Um, but I think this year is probably his last year. I would say if I, if I, if I was betting just be, it, it's not, it's not now it's when he takes off for the winter. Right. And then has to come back on a, a stale foot for Australia. I think that's what's going to really be the killer. It's just going to, you know, that's going to hurt. Um, he's on soft surfaces now. He was on clay. Now he's on grass. I mean, grass isn't the best for your foot, but at least it's soft. When he gets to Montreal and he's pounding on hard courts again, I mean that that just. Oof. I mean, I think I think you're going to know then. But I, if I had to, if I was a betting man, I'd say this is his last year. But I think I think he'll win one more. I, I don't. I don't see how he can't at this point, unless, unless he really gets hurt. 
but say he skipped the hard courts and just did one more clay season, you know, just an attempt to win the French Open next year. Is would that work, you think, or just I don't know? It's still I mean, a year, it's still a year yeah, away. You got, you got to stay in playing shape. Yeah. You know, you get, you got, and men, you got to stay mentally sharp too. So you take all that time off. I mean, Federer did it. Federer took a ton of time off, came back, won the Australian Open like it was nothing. But yeah, you know, it's hard. The older you get, less elastic you are mentally and physically. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think if he does that, I don't think he would win. Um, I think there are too right. many good players out there now. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I, I think physically he could do it. But at that point, I mean, come on, you know, I, I think, if, I think he wins yeah. one more this year, I think just call it a day. Yeah. And is there anything he can do to like kind of alleviate some of the pain or it's just pain tolerance really as much as you can it's take pain tolerance without... make sure yeah i mean make sure you're in super stiff orthotics something that's going to bridge that that bone no um, shots no injections or anything can help it i mean you can get i mean you can put stem cells and prp in there i mean he did that yeah. last year i mean he, and he said it didn't really do much and research has shown prp and stem cells for stuff like that it's, it's equivocal it's 50 50 so it's, okay. it's not it's, it's not the 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 miracle that people think it is they come to my office and say, i want prp and yeah all right you know <laughs> And I'll be $3,000 for nothing. So, you know, it, you know, so um, not really, you know, once it gets to this point, it's, yeah. you know, you, you can only, you can only fight age so long. Okay. And I have one more question. I'm so sorry to keep you so long. Um, have fine. there, have there ever been any other high profile athletes with this? Or not that you can, I, I in any think, sport? I don't know. I can't think of it. I'd have to, that's a good question. I have to look that up. I have no idea. Not not that I've paid attention to, but I'm sure okay. somebody will write something in the comments that I, I I'm not thinking off the top of my head. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Most Thank tennis you. player, most tennis players, if they're having issues with their foot, it's plantar fasciitis. That's like that's yeah. the yeah. That's the injury du jour. Right. Okay. okay. Thank you. No, no, yeah. That that was very insightful, Zach. And uh yeah, we appreciate the insights. I think we probably made a fool of ourselves on a on a, a few podcasts ago when we were trying to describe this injury. And, you know, <laughs> I don't think the listeners are sort of appreciative of just how bad we were at describing it. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us. If there's any last words you want to say, uh, uh, plug anything you, you have going on at the moment, uh, feel free. Uh, I don't have anything to plug, uh, but I would, if re anyone from Reebok is listening, please make a pro tro in the Reebok fig jam from Andy Roddick. <laughs> that would be my only, uh, that'd be my only plug. Yeah, if if Freebox listening, we, we would like some tennis section merch uh, partnership as well. You know that, that, that that's fine. Just just a t shirt is, is fine. We don't need the shoe. But all right. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much, Zach. And uh, right. yeah, have a great rest of your day. Thanks yeah, so much. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. See you. You too. too. Bye. All right. Well, that, that was a great interview with Dr. Zach. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Let us know in the comments if you have any questions that we can, we can always send them to him via Instagram. And, you know, if you, if you want to reply, we'll get you a reply. But make sure you check out his social media channels. He definitely makes great videos, especially about tennis. You know, that, that's how I found him. Um, but yeah, going back to Wimbledon, Serena Williams is back, Andrew. How excited are you? Oh, uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. I mean, I, I have this conversation almost daily, you know, and, and, I will grudgingly say that I'm not the hugest Serena fan, but I, I will freely admit that I think she's the greatest of all time. You know, you can't discount what she's done. She's, mm -hmm. in my opinion, easily the greatest player of all time. Um, I'm just not a fan of her attitude. Um, but Excuse again, me, uh, Ro Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal, Djokovic, doesn't... Female, greatest female <laughs> player of all time, sorry. I, but again, that's just my opinion without knowing her, without ever having spoken to her, you know, but... I, I don't know. Um, I've been getting a lot of comments and a lot of questions. Do I think she's going to win? And I, I think that's asking for way too much. You know, I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think there is an outstanding favorite or an outstanding female grass court player at the moment. You know, normally you have Kovitova, and, but she's not been informed. She's, she's done well this week, you know, but we haven't heard much from her over the past few months. Um, who else is there? You know, there's, there's no clear favorite. You know, there's no Osaka this year, not that she does well on, on grass anyway. Um, so I, I think she, she can win a few matches, but I, I think quarterfinals is at best. What do you think? Just because the fitness is not going to be there. She hasn't played much in a, in a year. So I'm not saying that she's too old to win. And I'm not saying she's not good enough. I just, I just think it's way too soon. Like she yeah. hasn't played a singles match in a year. 
she came back and played doubles and I, I think she's in the final i'll have to look that one up i know she was in the semis i don't know if she won the semis in yeah i mean one. i mean as you said she's definitely the greatest of all time uh female player they it's, withdrew it's, the semi early. I'm sorry to cut you off. So I, they withdrew from the semi. I don't know if it's an injury. I don't know. I I I, I, I doubt think it's it. An probably probably rest. Maybe. Yeah, it's. I think it's definitely rest. I think it's just you know they want to travel up to to London, get themselves in Wimbledon, settled in. Don't tie yourself out before the big tournament. You know, she's got a uh, her partner uh, Jabour. Jabour suffered an injury, so uh, hopefully oh. that is not too bad because she would be one of the favorites. Oh yeah, she's definitely she's had an yeah. amazing run on clay. Yeah, she's um, num- number three in the world right now, and I I love her game. You know, she can volley well, she can serve well. Yeah, so I, I, praying it's not too bad. Finger, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. She's fine, and you know, not pulling out of Wimbledon or anything because that'd be a, a real tough blow to her, especially after the year she's had. Um, but yeah, going back to to Serena Williams, I think yeah, I, when when I was asked these questions, you know, on Instagram or even just through people I know. I was always I was I was always answering you know fourth round or quarterfinals I think is Serena's sort of best shot, just because the longer it goes the tougher it gets physically. She even said in interviews that she hasn't really kept herself that in that great shape over the last year since Wimbledon. She went like she said she went cold turkey working out training all this stuff um, for a period. So it gets tougher as as you know even as uh, Dr. Zach said in our interview. Gets tougher as you get get along in the age, coming back and getting yourself back into rhythm and getting back to your best. So I think it's, it's going to be a tough one for her. Excited to see her because you know it would be the fairy tale run of all the fairy tale runs if she's able to shockingly win Wimbledon and achieve a twenty fourth Grand Slam title and you know retire into the sunset. Tougher, tougher than it is said. Yeah. You know, but it'll be interesting. But yeah. still, and no matter no matter how you feel about Serena, you know you you have to be rooting for her to get the twenty fourth. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. she deserves it. You know, if, if there's, one there's person, not... you know, if one person deserves to have the record, it's her. Yeah, you know? there's so nothing I... in the women's game. There's yeah. there's no other player in the women's game who you would say is more deserving than to win a Grand Slam than Serena at the moment. Yep, I agree. Even so even I... if Serena has twenty three Grand Slams, you know. Yeah. It's, I'd, it's I'd be very a... disappointed if she if she finishes on 23 i'd be very disappointed so i i get questions all the time should she retire is she fooling herself i mean why is she playing you know similar to like what we get with federer but i mean if you're one away from the all-time record you know would you stop you know no way no. <laughs> you know as long as you think that you have a chance then and, and she's right you know i i don't think she's the best player in the world right now but uh, there, there is i mean barty is, is retired you know saka has been struggling you know who who was oh, sviantek but she hasn't been proven on grass either, you know. So, who knows? You know, if Wimbledon is the tournament where yep. it, it can happen, that that's more, for sure. more surprising players to have won Grand Slams than than if she were to have won. You know, yeah. We've had we've had you know a qualifier win the U.S. Open, <laughs> you know, with Raducanu. You know, we've had Goran a few years ago as a wild card. You know, and would would Serena be a surprise if she won it? I don't think so. You know, I'd I'd be I I would be surprised, but I wouldn't call it a surprise. Yeah, no, if, she, you know? experience pays dividends, that's for sure. Yep. When yep. in in the tough moments, experience can really help you out, and she's got more experience than anyone on the tour. So yep. it, it'll be interesting to see how she does. And as you mentioned, Zviatek is obviously a great player, amazing run, six titles in a row. You know, uh, she she's definitely going to come in as the sort of favorites in terms of the odds. It's another story when she hasn't played any warm-up tournaments. We don't really know her game on grass. It'll be interesting to see it. But, um, you know, I wouldn't... I'm not as confident as I was at the French Open when I was like, oh, yeah, Zviatek's definitely the favourite here. Here at Wimbledon, it's going to be a bit tighter, a bit more up in the air who's going to win on the women's side. Um, yeah. But one... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go on. I was just going to say, before we wrap up our Wimbledon discussion, um, I know in our last podcast, we discussed our favorites and our dark horses and who we think are going to win and, and so on. So given the last few weeks after all these warm up events and new injuries and, and different things happening, you know, have yours changed? I mean, mine certainly have, at least on the female side, you know, so. Yeah. I think on the female side, I would say a little bit, I think Halep, I, I said she was like one of the favorites to win in my opinion, dark horses. I think she's not really proven herself just yet on the grass. Um, Yep. It's it's sort of different when you're looking at you know the men's side of the draw you, you and you look at warm up tournaments you're like oh but that's only a best of three set match 
when it's a best of five set, it's a completely different atmosphere. But in the women, there's always best of three sets, Grand Slam or not Grand Slam. So you can get a bit more clarity in who's in, in good form. So I'd say Halep has sort of fallen down in the pegging order in my mind. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think I think it's going to be a good tournament for, for Zviatek and hopefully for Serena Williams. On the men's side of things, I've, I'm still keeping the same. I, I think title winner Nadal Djokovic... Uh, Dark Horses, Berrettini and uh, Herkax. I don't think, even though Tsitsipas has been great this week in Mallorca, I don't think he's yeah. got the game for best of five sets against the best players in the world on grass. Um, as we've seen in the last few years, every time he goes, like at Wimbledon, he, he tends to lose in the first round. Um, yeah. I, I imagine he goes further than the first round this year just because he's got... I think it was TFO he lost the first round last year, right? Yeah, exactly. Pretty and, sure, yeah. But I think he's, he's he's got a better draw this year, but I still don't think he's going to you know make it. You I like the Hercatch pick. I don't. I don't think we mentioned him in our last last podcast as a dark horse. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I love that pick. You know, he was amazing against Medvedev the other day in yeah. the final and in Halle. You know, and he, big serve, big ground strokes. He likes the grass. You know, I don't know how we missed him last time, to be honest. <laughs> so yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take Chilich. Player. I'll take Chilich out of my my group from last time, and I'll stick Hercatch in. No, so I got Baratini. Go. I got Baratini. I got Hercatch. I'm still hoping on Curios to to do something finally. You know, it's possible, but I don't know. But but Djokovic is still my pick. But on the female side, I had uh, Coco Goff as a very dark horse, crazy pick um, for the title, you know. And I'm going to change that to Haddad Maya because she's oh, been yeah. outstanding, you know. She's got two back-to-back titles, and she lost to Kvitova today, I think, in the semis in Eastbourne. But I think that was more fatigue than anything else, you know. She has yeah. been incredible, and she you hardly even heard of her before, you know. You, you know the name, and you've seen her once or twice, but. I think she is one of the favorites, not even a dark horse. She's got to be, you know, yeah, she's well, beaten, I mean, beaten she's Halep, she's beaten all of them, you know, she's proven herself. So she can, you know, it's 12 it's, or 13 it's, in a row. If it, if, if, if it, if it can click in those two weeks and you know, you go on an unbeaten run, it's, it's, it's just the perfect timing. But then you also have to be wary of the situation where has she shown her best tennis and now is there going to be a slump coming afterwards? Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting, but I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite intrigued to see the women's side of the draw because I think it's more up in the air than it's ever been in the Grand Slam in the last year. Oh, yeah. Um, if Barty was though, here, we would say she's as, as secure as Djokovic, you know, exactly. or, or Nadal, but she isn't. Exactly. So I, I don't think there is a favorite. No. You know, you take, you take your pick. There's four or five women that could win and pull a straw, really, you know. Exactly, exactly. But, yeah, that, that wraps up our sort of Wimbledon discussion. We have one more thing we wanted to touch on, and that's the sort of new change in the rules in, in, in the world of tennis. That now off-court coaching is going to be allowed from the US Open onwards this year, just as a test, uh, they'll, they'll sort of reassess at the end of the season, see what they, they, they think of it. But initial thoughts from you, Andrew? Well, I mean, as a coach, I do like it, you know, and I, I agree with what Muratoglu said, you know, he said that like, we finally changed something that everyone's been doing anyway, you know, for the mm. last, I know he's famous for doing it or, or allegedly <laughs> doing it. But I mean, I, I don't see a reason why it was never allowed, you know, and but, but again, I don't think there's so much that a coach can do on court anyway. You know, you can, okay. because I, I, when I play team events and well, not when I coach team events, you know, I'm allowed to be on court with the player and I'm allowed to coach just like Davis Cup and, and so on. Um, like I, I'm the Billie Jean King Cup captain, you know, and I'm allowed to be on court with the player, but there, there really isn't much tactically you can do anyway. You know, it's just more calming the player down and, and reminding them what the plan was. You know, so if you're not prepared before the match, there's nothing a coach can do really during the match. There's a little bit, but not enough to, you know, massively swing the match. It's more to calm your nerves and tell you you're doing crap and, and settle down and, and remember this, you know. So I, I, I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I, don't, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Yeah. And I, I, I do like what Kirio said too, you know, that he, he came back and fired a shot at Muratoglu, you know, and saying that, you know, it's the only sport where the athletes are on their own. They've got to figure it out on their own. And I, I like that aspect too, you know, so I, I'm somewhere in the middle. What yeah, do, I, com- you? I, I completely agree in the, ter- in, in the sense of, you know, if you don't have a game plan before the match, it's going to be tough for you to sort of get new information during the match and sort of change completely your game plan. You, you want to so be quickly for them. Too, yeah. Exactly. The, the greatest players in the world are able to do that with their eyes shut just because they are, they are so great at, you know, they, they've got experience or they just have so much natural talent that they have so many different styles in their game. But I think the, the issue I have with the, the on, off, uh, off-court coaching is, as Kyrgios said when he was replying to Patrick Moratoglu, is 
What about the the lower ranked players who can't afford yep. to have a coach or have a coach, but their coach is in the other side of the world because they can't afford to have their coach travel with them. Yeah. So it gives it gives sort of more of a, an advantage to the higher ranked players, the players who make more money, which can then hurt lower ranked players in the early rounds of tournaments when they these players sort of usually meet. Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting test. I'm I'm going to be at the the U.S. Open uh, for the first week this year, so I'm going to be sort of trying to see if I see Titi Pass on court. I'm going to see if his if his dad is sort of doing any sort <laughs> of uh, coaching, but that that'll be interesting. I, I think it's sort of a double-edged sword. You know, it can be great because obviously, as you said, you're a coach. You'd, you'd love to give your players more instructions and sort of help them out, calm them down, ease the pressure, etc. On the other hand, you have to think about who's on the other side of the net. How, in what position are they to do the same thing? If they're not, is it sort of fair that you are doing that? And if yep. they are, you know, what advantage does it have when the tennis sort of the the, the the greatness about tennis is the fact that it's a mental sport where the player has to figure things out by themselves. Yeah. Curious probably just doesn't like it because he might have to get a coach now, you know, to, I didn't to kind think of, about that. to kind that's of keep actually, up. That, so. That's actually a very good point. Yeah. I didn't think about but, that. But one, one point to consider too, is that it's not necessarily always a good thing to have a coach on the court with you, you know, because like a lot of these players are so independent and they know a lot themselves, you know, so it like, clashing heads with your coach on the court and getting upset or potentially disagreeing you know or, or maybe the coach gets it wrong you know so not not always the best thing you know i mean oh, if imagine that. if if depending on what type of player you are the last thing you want when you're not playing well is someone telling you oh you're doing crap and you should be doing this and you think you're doing the right thing you know that would just annoy you some more it depends on your temperament you know but yeah well, that, that's what, we, that's we what saw. We saw the other day when uh, Medvedev's coach, exactly, you know, I was about so. to say, like, that, that's why Medvedev kicks his coach off the court uh, a lot of the times in his matches. But you know, yeah, if, yeah. if I ever have you coaching me, Andrew, don't worry, I'll kick you off the court. <laughs> Thank you, uh, appreciate it. But yeah, uh, listen, guys and, and, and gals, thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. Uh, we really hope you enjoyed it. It's the first time we're doing a video podcast. We'll try and do more of these whenever we can. Sometimes we're in a rush. Sometimes we're traveling, so it's sort of hard to do so. Um, but let us know if you enjoyed it. If you're listening on audio only, let us know anyways how the experience was. If you're on video, let us know in the comments on YouTube what you think, any questions you have. Make sure you wish Andrew a happy birthday. It's his birthday tomorrow. Uh, well, the day the podcast comes out. Uh, so, you know, just send him all the messages, spam him and, uh, you know, break his cell phone with, with notifications uh and yeah thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you next week hopefully you know with some good matches having happened in the first few rounds at wimbledon yep as, as liam said you know uh, great to be back and thanks for being here as, as as usual you know and please as he said give us a lot of feedback you know let us know if you prefer video or audio or how it went lots of questions we love the questions we love the comments and let us know let us know if you agree with our picks if you disagree and why you know, I might, I'm probably going to get crucified for my uh, Serena bashing earlier, but let me know. You just, you just wait. The, Ser <laughs> the Serena army is on their way. Um, but yeah, thank you guys. Make sure you check out the website for your free tennis predictions, the Instagram for your memes, Twitter, where we share our predictions again. TikTok is sort of similar to our Instagram. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, rate us five stars. It really helps us sort of grow the community. And if you're on YouTube, just like the video, subscribe to the channel, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you very much. Yeah. Don't forget to check out Foot Doctor Zach as well on, on YouTube and Instagram. Very true, very yep. true. Thanks again, Zach, for being there. Uh, thanks, Zach. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.